0: Hey, it's Klaus here, host of the eCommerce Coffee Break Podcast. Have you ever wondered if your store could perform better? Well, I have something special for you. I am offering Shopify store audits again. I will walk through your Shopify store and share ways to make it better and show you ideas for a better conversion rate. I will pinpoint areas for improvement on your homepage, category page, product detail page and checkout. And I will uncover missed opportunities and show you the issues holding you back. To get your store audit, visit klauslauter.com audit. That's C-L-A-U-S-L-A-U-T-E-R dot com audit. Apply today, as I will only offer five store audits this month. Welcome to episode 142 of the e-commerce coffee break podcast. In this episode, we talk about why Facebook ads performance has fallen and what you can do about it. So let's get started. But first, a shout out to our sponsor, Bundle Builder. Join thousands of Shopify entrepreneurs that use Bundle Builder to create custom product bundles that turn browsers into buyers and dramatically increases average order values. Install Bundle Builder today and get a free 30-day trial plus an onboarding call to help get you set up for success. Simply visit www.bundlebuilder.app or click the link in the show notes. This is the e-commerce
1: coffee break. A top-rated
0: Shopify
1: growth podcast dedicated to Shopify merchants and business owners looking to grow their online stores. Learn how to survive in the fast-changing e-commerce world with your host, Klaus Lauter, and get marketing advice you can't find on Google. Welcome Welcome to to the the show. show.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the e-commerce coffee break. Most of online merchants using paid ads, most of them use Facebook ads, Google ads, etc. Now, the last year has been a bit of a bloodbath for a lot of them. And today we want to find out and discuss why Facebook ads performance has fallen so much and what you can do about it. Brand news on the show. He is the CEO of Optily. Brandon has worked in e-commerce marketing for decades and on both the ad selling and the ad buying side of the business. Throughout the years, he has seen the issue of walled guns and solidization of data from platforms such as Facebook and Google become a problem again and again. Since 2019, Brandon has led the team of Optily, where he is focused on solving this problem for Shopify merchants. Optily's self-service app enables merchants to optimize their cross-channel ad spend instantly across campaigns to grow sales. So we will dive into this a little bit later. First of all, hey, Brendan, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Klaus, thanks for having me on your podcast.
0: Welcome. Brendan, give me a bit of an update. What happened last year on the iOS 14.5 for the ones who do not really understand what kind of impact that had coming afterwards?
1: Back in April 2021, Apple implemented some privacy changes, some consent changes in for iOS users, um, primarily obviously on iPhones, and really asking people to opt in for sharing data with certain apps and with all apps. And in particular, this was targeted at Facebook. And Tim Cook at the time kind of made very public statements about how he disliked Facebook's approach to data management and privacy. And we also suspect that Apple has its own long-term game around advertising and kind of generating its own revenue. So there's always a kind of a few sides to this. And what that meant was that a few things happened at the time. So one Facebook changed some things from, particularly in terms of how it gathered data and how it managed data in order to soften. The kind of the negative perception around itself and to soften to be more amenable to some of the privacy concerns that, that people had. So we kind of recall that at the time it reduced the number of events that you could track on your website. So there was, that was reduced down to eight events. And previously, if there was a limit, it was a very high limit in terms of the number of events and people never ran into issues. So it meant that there was far fewer things you could track from kind of users. And these weren't just for iOS users or Apple users. These were for all users. So they made these changes globally in order to soften the impact. And they also looked at the attribution windows. And so they stopped storing data for as long or reporting back on data. So previously, you were able to kind of have longer attribution windows So look back windows in terms of when somebody first saw an ad or interacted with an ad and then went on to purchase. So there were a number of changes that were better from a privacy perspective. were more protective of people's personal data, but actually that's negatively impacted on the performance of ads. So what we saw instantly was confusion from people who were advertising on Facebook and Instagram in terms of they needed to do some things, they needed to verify their websites, they needed to change their pixel settings. And suddenly they had this dramatic drop in performance. And at the time, initially, people didn't really understand, was this a real drop or was it just a data loss? But ultimately, we work in the data game. We all depend on data. And over time, as actual store sales, in particular, maybe in the Shopify world, as those store sales maybe declined, then people kind of understood that actually the performance of these channels was actually declining. We were able to see both directly attributable sales, those numbers had gone down, but then overall sales started to go down. So we started to lose confidence a little bit in these channels. I think the other thing that then happened Because if you think about it, we were coming out of the pandemic. A lot of brands had exited from advertising during the pandemic. So in particular, travel brands and you know hospitality and tourism brands. And e-commerce had boomed, right? So ad spend in the ad channels had increased due to e-commerce in particular. But then all the travel brands kind of came back on. All these other brands that had exited out of kind of advertising came back in. And what we started to see was the prices just going up. So in Q3 2022... You're probably now paying three times more cost per impression in Instagram for a brand awareness campaign than you were two years ago. Essentially, supply and demand kicked in. The supply of users didn't, particularly in Western markets. So Facebook growth has flatlined. Instagram growth has, you know, has continued to grow, but not so much in Western markets. So probably more in Eastern markets and maybe developing markets. Availability of users and audiences in these platforms didn't necessarily grow. Probably as quickly as the demand for audiences has grown amongst advertisers. So there's a few things that have happened together for Facebook and Instagram, and it's still a great platform, right? It's still a great place to be advertising and finding audiences. It's just got a little bit harder than it was maybe two years ago.
0: Okay, no, I think that was a very, very great summary there. And I get often asked is like, should I still spend money on Facebook? And my answer is so don't put all your money horse, not only Facebook, go also on other platforms. Obviously there's Google, it's around for 20, 30 years, TikTok is coming and so on. Yeah. But now it becomes really difficult for a lot of marketers to find out to attribute.
1: The difficulty here is that the pixel, the attribution that we were relying on from the Facebook pixel has got weaker. There's less data kinda of now available to us. We probably never fully trusted The data that comes from ad channels anyway, and it's not just Facebook, but it'll be other channels as well. And and really everybody's been struggling with the attribution topic for a long time. And there are other sources of data. So mostly we're using maybe Google Analytics, or maybe we're using the analytics and conversion kind of attribution that's inside of Shopify in particular. And then there are other great tools that are helping with attribution. Very often they're what we would call pixel based or cookie based. So they are putting their own pixel or cookie onto your website. And the challenge there is that a lot of what happens inside of the platform. So we think of Facebook and Instagram. A lot of the user behaviors that happen are not trackable by third party pixels. So if somebody sees an ad, but doesn't click on it, and then maybe a day later or on a different device comes in and buys that product because maybe they've seen another ad or a remarketing ad or something. Then, of course, no third-party pixel tool can really kind of spot that. So one of the approaches that certainly we've adopted and we're seeing people adopting is not relying on any one data source. So leveraging the data that is available inside of Facebook and Instagram for what it has and We can pretty much rely on that behaviors inside the platforms is very reliable inside of Meta. If somebody's seeing your ad, somebody's clicking on your ad, somebody's sharing an ad or liking it, et cetera, all of those data points are very reliable inside of the platform. It's when somebody leaves the platform and then goes to your website or to your app to do some research or to make a purchase. What we see people doing is making sure that the technical integration between, let's call it meta, for example, your Shopify store, that has been done correctly. You have verified your store between Facebook and Shopify. You have implemented your pixel and your pixel tracking is in place, but you've also implemented what Facebook calls its conversion API or it's server-to-server tracking. So bypasses cookie blockers at the pixels, and it means that when somebody makes a purchase on your store, then your server is sending that conversion information back to Facebook. And what Meta does is it combines those pieces of data. So if it has pixel data, it will use it. If it has conversion API data, then it will use that, and it will duplicate as well. So it's not double-counting somebody who fired a pixel and then also is recorded on the conversion API. And then the other reliable piece of data that we see is the Shopify conversion data. And why that's interesting is that uh, it's based on UTMs. So UTM parameter is a string that you append to the end of your URL when you're in, you're setting up an ad campaign or an email marketing campaign. So it is going to be click based. It does rely on the, on somebody clicking through, but Shopify is essentially using what we call a first party cookie. It's not blocked by kind of cookie blockers. And Shopify is then tracking that user on your store. We chat a little bit about attribution kind of windows and attribution models. Okay. So at the moment, Facebook only reports on and only technically records if somebody has seen an ad and clicked on that ad in the last seven days, whereas the Shopify attribution window is 30 days. So if somebody clicked on an ad in the last 30 days and then has gone on to make a purchase within that kind of timeframe, then you'll see that data. So neither is perfect because one is Shopify is based on clicks only, and it's looking at first click and first thing that somebody does and the last thing that somebody does. Facebook is based on impressions and and what we call view through. So somebody kind of sees something and then separately goes and buys or interacts with your store, and it's only got seven days of data. But by actually putting these data points together and starting to, let's call it either correlations or patterns, right? So something's happening in Facebook, you're spending some money, you're seeing trackable, directly attributable sales and and actions on your website, but then you're also seeing the overall picture increasing. And there are some new and interesting ways that we can measure that as well, that make life kind of easier
0: as well. And now a quick break to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Bundle Builder. With over five years in the Shopify App Store, bundle Builder is the OG bundling app for Shopify stores. Get creative with custom product kits and gift boxes. Let your customers choose the bundle contents for a personalized experience or set up pre-built bundles. One click and it's in the cart. Use the powerful discount engine to create offers and deals like percentage, fixed or tiered discounts and set rules with conditions. Bundle Builder will sync your inventory in ways that work for your business with single or multi-SKU options available. Install Bundle Builder in the App Store today and get a free 30 day trial plus a free onboarding call to help you to get your store set up for success. Simply visit www.bundlebuilder.app or click the link in the show notes. And now let's get back to the show. Okay. Now, a lot of small and medium enterprises, people who are not IT related in their business, they already can feel it's a very technical topic and so on and so forth. Now, one thing that smaller enterprises, brick and mortar stores going into e-commerce don't have is time resources mm-hmm. to become a data visit and i understand that optily helps with that that you have mm-hmm. developed a tool to make their life easier tell me a little about it
1: there's multiple sources of data that we can look at what we aim to do just with our shopify app is to join those kind of data sources so when you install our app and it's click click several you know two three clicks to install you connect your ad accounts inside our app what we do is we line up what the ad channel says about the campaign. So Facebook says, hey, we delivered a ROAS of you know five. We then look at what Shopify attributes to those campaigns or to Facebook in, in total. And we're not trying to say one is better data point than the other, but what we're looking at is when those data points change over time, then that's interesting. So the Shopify ROAS is declining to look at here or the cost per click on Instagram is increasing. Okay, something to look at there. There's two different types of measures. There's the short-term measures, which is looking at the attribution data points that are available from these different sources. But then there's also the long-term data points. And we've seen a lot of research and a lot of evidence from our clients and across the industry that says we need to be investing not just in short-term results, but in these longer-term results. And one key metric that we expose kind of automatically in our platform is marketing efficiency ratio. This is where we're looking at the total store sales. So not just those directly attributable to advertising, and we're taking that as a ratio against ad spend. So for example, we know that ROAS or return on ad spend is the total sales attributable to advertising as a ratio against ad spend. So if you have a ROAS of five, right? So that means that for every $1 of ad spend, you're able to identify $5 of revenue that has come from the ad channels direct. If you have, for example, an a marketing efficiency ratio or an MEOR of 10, then what that means is that for every $1 of ad spend, in total, your store is generating $10 of, of revenue. And why is that useful? Because we're kind of saying, well, hold on a sec, a lot of that $10 is not coming from ads, it might be coming from other places. So it does a couple of things for us. One is it helps us to look at just a bigger picture of how much can I afford to spend on ads? Let's say my gross margin is 5% then I can't afford to have a merit of 10 because I'm spending 10% of my gross revenue on advertising. So that's one thing it helps us to guide against and lets us understand actually our business is scalable or not scalable because of where that MER is sitting. It does give some indication, especially if we look at trends over time of the directly attributable kind of sales versus the non-directly attributable. Because we do know, we all understand that some element of what we're doing in advertising has a longer term impact. And again, there's research out there that would suggest that Meta released some research recently with um, Les Binet and talked about about 60% of the impact of advertising is long-term, right? And there are things you can do to enhance that, but, you know, so that's potentially suggesting that 60% of the money we're spending today, we can't see today or in the next seven days or the next 30 days, depending on our attribution window. So that's important. Maybe the final thing around the marketing efficiency ratio is it helps us to understand how good we are at the other parts of our business, right? So how good are we at not just converting, but retaining customers? Because there's a lot of effort that we would put into remarketing it to our customers via email, via SMS, and via advertising. And so, for example, we'll see that subscription kind of businesses will have a much higher MER, right? Because they have this kind of automated repurchase, recycle, or cycle in place. It's a really good indicator of the overall health of our e-commerce operations kind of more generally. And because what we want to be doing is, you know, acquiring customers is expensive. So we want to make sure that if we're acquiring them, then we're able to kind of maximize the lifetime value of those customers kind of beyond that initial purchase.
0: I think that's a very, very good point that you made there. First of all, having statistical significance, have data over a long run. I was never a big fan of ROAS because it's just a small picture of a bigger picture and people tend to overspend, to scale too fast and then basically at some point or very quickly it backfires. With the MIR, is there anything that also can tell you on how you can shift budgets then to different channels, say between Meta and Google? That's
1: something we focus on, okay? So our application will look at these numbers and what we... Allow you to do is to identify your different business objectives. So of course, everybody has primarily a sales objective. If we think of the marketing funnel and the marketing funnel, even though it's been around for, you know, as a concept for 120 years, it's probably even more relevant today because we can actually start to measure things kind of better today. What we find is that most of us start with our e-commerce marketing. We're absolutely focused on ills types campaigns, catalog campaigns really trying to measure kind of CPAs and ROAS kind of at what we call bottom of funnel. The problem with that is that it struggles to scale, right? Because when you get massive efficiency on your CPAs, your cost per transaction or cost per acquisition, and your ROAS is you're targeting people or addressing audiences who are in market for your product have high purchase intent and are probably actively searched, which is why Google product ads, shopping ads will work so well, or Facebook catalog remarketing ads will work so well, because you're already talking to people who maybe are familiar with your brand and are kind of at the point of making a purchase. What we often see people trying to do is to take those types of campaigns and go out to broad audiences, right? So now we're trying to move up the funnel Right. It just doesn't work because you're taking the most expensive campaign type. So if your CPA, for example, is let's say $15 on a average order value of 75. So you're getting a nice 5X ROAS, right? And you take that type of campaign and you go to a broad audience. You're now going to spend $15 in principle to people who've never heard of your brand have demonstrated no purchase intent towards your product or your brand. What we are seeing a lot of more people doing is then leveraging maybe traffic campaigns or awareness campaigns. And these are all available in the platforms. Going out to broader audiences, they're much more cost-effective. So for example, if you imagine your CPA is, say, $15. If you're using, for example, a video views campaign in Instagram or in Facebook, then you're probably paying for a 75% video view of a 15-second video. So somebody's watching maybe around kind of 12 seconds, which is a good indicator of quality, given that most people exit after the first one or two seconds. You're probably paying kind of one and a half to two and a half cents per video view, right? So now instead of paying $15, you're actually paying a thousand times less, right, to get a human to engage with your kind of 15-second video. So you can now go kind of much broader. Of course, you're probably using different placements in the platform. So you're using... You're not in the shopping carousel, right? You're not probably highlighting your product so much, but you're probably doing more brand storytelling and product storytelling. That's what we're seeing is that people are using different creatives, um, different optimization strategies, and different placements. So different channels for each of these. Sorry, a long answer to your question, Klaus, right? But in terms of what we see people then now, what we facilitate people to do is to say, look, what's your business objectives of sales, traffic, visibility, right? Which campaigns are delivering for those objectives? So we organize things together across the different channels and we start to kind of line them up and kind of measure them against each other. So we will have maybe an Instagram campaign kind of lined up against a YouTube campaign, maybe lined up against a TikTok campaign for top of funnel kind of brand awareness. And we're starting to kind of, I say, benchmark them against each other, look at the performance over time, look at engagement metrics and say, Audiences from these campaigns, we're able to get at them much more cost effectively, but they don't engage as much or they don't convert ultimately down the funnel. And what we do is we surface opportunities in our application to start adjusting some of the campaign parameters, but also maybe to start optimizing your budget, moving them between kind of different channels and different placements and different, different campaigns. What you get from that. And I, look, I think as the prices are increasing in the ad channels, what we set out to do is to really try and help you achieve those marginal kind of improvements from the campaigns. It's never a good idea to make dramatic changes in particular around budget on campaigns on a day-to-day basis, but it's really spotting opportunities a bit like a trading desk, but made simple, right? Because most of us are very busy running our stores and trying to build out audiences, strategies, and creative strategies. So the topic of managing spend can be hard, right? We kind of made a very Intuitive interface, we hope so that people can easily identify this campaign is starting to do very well. There is an opportunity to spend more here. Great. I'll make some kind of small changes to that today and then see how it progresses. Or this campaign is starting to disimprove. So I'm probably wasting money here and now on this because it's not performing as well as it did. So maybe I'll reduce the budget slightly, see if that helps a little bit, but also might need to look at my creative, I mean, might need to refresh it. Or maybe my audiences are too small, so I need to kind of broaden my audience. So we also highlight those kinds of things for you. But budget and managing your budget can have a very dramatic, immediate impact in terms of the performance of your and the ROI from your campaigns.
0: I like the idea that you called it a trading desk. I was looking for a word like dashboard or something like that, but I think trading desk really sums it up. So once people have installed your app from coming from optiny.com, what is kind of the learning curve and how much time should they spend each day in the app to find out what works best,
1: the first thing we tried to keep it kind of relatively simple to onboard, but the first thing that people need to do is really identify their business goals. We'll all have a sales goal, and we see people initially kind of trying to organize everything as with a sales objective. But I think when people look across the campaigns that they have live on the various ad platforms. They know that quite a few of those are probably not really measurable against kind of sales. You're going to be measuring them against other things. First thing that people need to do is just really organize, think about their objectives and their goals and start organizing their campaigns based on those goals. And then really we do kind of most of the work on a daily basis through our algorithms surface opportunities. And those opportunities are really kind of identifying trends and patterns in campaigns that have been happening over, we allow new campaigns to settle. We're looking over a seven-day period and typically looking over a 14-day period to see what's happening. So it's quite responsive because obviously can be a lot of changes in businesses. What we suggest that people do is come in maybe once a day or once every couple of days and just review those opportunities and take actions. And some of them will be actionable within the Shopify dashboard, they'll be able to kind of make some budget changes and kind of tweak those changes. Then others, they might have to go and think about their creative strategy. Maybe I need to refresh my creative and I need to get my designer, et cetera, involved in some of that. But really what we're trying to do is reduce that time from one to two hours of maybe analysis that people are doing, looking at different ad platforms on a daily basis and reducing that down to kind of the 10, 15 minutes of Reviewing my opportunities and then making some quick changes.
0: is a eight shop store. Tell me a little bit about the pricing structure.
1: So philosophically, I don't like to link an optimization or an efficiency solution with how much you spend. So we've taken an approach that we charge you essentially based on, how many ad platforms you've connected. So our starting price is $49. For example, you connect Meta, which includes obviously Facebook and Instagram. If you add in Google, then it's another kind of $49 a month. So each ad channel kind of is, and that's our introductory price is $49 a month per channel. And then actually after your first three months, then our standard pricing is $99 per channel. So then it's $99 for Meta and $199 if you add two channels and two ninety nine dollars if you add three channels. And again, our goal there is that We're conscious that there'll be different sizes of customers who use our application. There are no limits in terms of the amount of ad spend or kind of the volume of kind of transactions, et cetera. The way we want to grow with our clients is, as you said earlier on, people need to increasingly diversify their channels. So we're very conscious that, yes, you might start with one and Facebook and Instagram are a great place to start because it can manage the full funnel for you. But as you grow your business and if you want to be available and find your audiences, then you need to be on all these other platforms. And one of the most difficult parts about all of that is trying to manage your spend and your investment across those platforms.
0: I think it's a very affordable pricing scheme that you have there, because keeping in mind, if you go to an agency, they might only be focused on one platform. So there might be a meta agency. They will charge you a percentage of what you spend, and then you just see getting the numbers. And at the end of the day, the quality, what you get out of it, the data might not be as good as with the app. Where can people find out more about Optily?
1: If you go to the Shopify App Store and search for Optily O-P-T-I-L-Y, or you go to optily.com then you can find out about us there as well.
0: Brendan, I think was a ton of very good information there for every mint, and also to rethink their ad structure or their ad strategy there. And I'm 100% sure even if the ad performance has fallen, there's still a huge market and huge potential for ads out there. Thanks so much for your time.
1: Thanks for having me, Klaus. Thank you.
0: Don't forget to visit the sponsor of today's episode, Bundle Builder. Join thousands of Shopify entrepreneurs that use Bundle Builder to create custom product bundles that turn browsers into buyers and dramatically increases average order values. Install Bundle Builder today and get a free 30 day trial plus an onboarding call to help get you set up for success. Simply visit www.bundlebuilder.app or click the link in the show notes. And that's a wrap for this episode. I hope you found today's episode informative and actionable. As a reminder, we have a growing community of e-commerce professionals where you can share your insights, ask questions and learn from other merchants. If you're interested in joining, please visit our website at ecommercecoffeebreak.com and sign up for the community. And don't forget to subscribe, rate and review our podcast to stay updated on the latest marketing trends and strategies for Shopify e-commerce merchants. See you next time.